Welcome to Empower, the first real fire property platform on Cardano that combines emerging technology, sustainable building, and decentralized financial inclusion. My name is Blaine, and I'm the sustainability architect here at Empower. And on this podcast, we'll be sharing conversations based around Empower's three key principles of building, community, and impact. If you want to join our journey and help us build a better future with Empower, then make sure to subscribe and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Empower podcast. Uh, my name is Blaine, sustainability architect here at Empower and joined here from with, with Alka. And today we'll be joining, uh, we'll be speaking with Richard, CEO of Casa Real and Wolf, the founder of Easy Housing. Uh, we'll be discussing the, the recent sustainable and affordable homes built in Beira, Mozambique. So explore all the different angles around, around that. But to start us off, we'll, we'll do an introduction. Uh, and then we can go from there. So perhaps Richard, would you like to start with a quick introduction and then we'll go on to you, Wolf? My name is Richard Bahumwire, the CEO and co-founder of Casarial in Mozambique, a company that is building affordable housing uh, together with, in partnership with uh, uh, different people or different organizations like Empower, is housing and Rio. Thank you, glad to be here. Thanks, Richard. So I'll take it over. I'm Wolf, I'm the founder of Easy Housing, and we are a sustainable, affordable housing solution based on timber, and we adopt circular and bio-based building principles and focus on emerging economies. And we have realized the pilot together with Casariel and Richard in Vira last month. Awesome. Perhaps to start us off, we can um, maybe begin with getting a bit of context around this recent project. Um, would one of you like to just talk about what has actually happened? What were the deliverables um, and who were some of the, the, the people involved in that process maybe? And then we can dive into the details from, from there. Yeah. So uh, recently we started um, collaboration with uh, easy housing and empower but not that alone we had had some works on a co-building with empower specifically on the two units uh, which we had some discussion before and after that we built on that to also integrate the the a, a, eco eco housing again with uh, easy housing and um, who was involved was Casarial, the local team, and his uh, uh, housing. Wolf, who is there, who is going to be telling us the experience he went through to make sure that we build the two units that we have concluded. And uh, that's it. Thank you, Richard. Wolf, you want to elaborate on this? Yeah, yeah, just to supplement Richard's. Uh, so Easy Housing has been building two eco-homes, timber homes in our concepts uh, by means of the funding that Empower raised uh, through the Cardano community, through the Catalyst funding. So that was a great opportunity for us to, um, uh, to collaborate with Empower and with Catariel and to actually start building those, um, the, the, the showcase in Byra, Mozambique, um, in November, December of last year. And um, 
yeah, it, it was a pleasure to work together, and I think it's it's nice to elaborate today a bit on uh, uh, on the experiences and the future opportunities and um, why we think that uh, circular and bio-based construction is important also in in, in this specific situation. So, looking forward to the discussions. Well, if you have quite a um, an innovative um, <clears throat> construction, right? Could you maybe tell us a little bit more about the um, about the construction that Easy Housing is um, is trying to bring forward in 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 Africa, starting with this project in Byron? Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, Easy Housing has developed a building concept that's based on sustainably sourced timber. So basically, we are, we are a timber frame housing concept. Uh, timber framing in itself is not, uh, is not new, but the way we approach it uh, implies that we have um, a strong focus on local value chains. So that means partnerships with the local building companies and within partnerships throughout the, the building value chain in the, the target markets. And in addition, we adopt circular economy design principles as well as passive house design principles. So that means that um, the houses are uh, sustainable on a lot of different levels. Um, and well, um, on, in a broader context, I think uh, what we see a lot uh, in the last years is the discussion on, on bio-based uh, bio building materials and building concepts as opposed to traditional building materials in concrete. And of course, uh, since we've invented concrete uh, around, uh, or since we've adopted uh, concrete building on a large level around 100 years ago, we've seen a strong um, focus on, on cement and concrete building. And now in, in recent years, with, uh, with the, the increasing awareness on uh, the impact of the cement industry and the steel industry on both carbon footprint as well as waste and mineral extraction, uh, we, we are starting to realize that we have to transition to uh, bio-based and sustainable building methods, um, which, which won't mean that concrete will be phased out immediately, but we will see a strong transition in the mix of uh, building approaches, building concepts in the coming decade, uh, which will uh, transition towards bio-based building concepts uh, because we have to, if we want to reach our climate and environmental targets. Um, so I think that, that's uh, that's also where, where easy housing uh, taps into. Um, we've integrated these um, these sustainability aspects and um, have tried, on the other hand, to um, to tune the concept to uh, um, emerging markets like Mozambique, where um, the, the approach towards building is very different from uh, a country like the, the Netherlands, where I'm based at the moment. Um, so we've tried to create a concept that, um, that works uh, with uh, the building value chains in Mozambique and, and with the, the local infrastructure, as well as with, uh, with which sustainable materials are available in local markets. Um, I, I, well, that was already a lot of information, but <laughs> that's, that's the context. Yes. But useful. Um, I was wondering, Richard, so uh, because uh, I like the, the fact, Wolf, that you're actually using um, localized uh, value chains now. Uh, Richard, was it for, for your team, it was completely different to, to build this kind of a construction, right? Was it difficult? Yeah. How did the team respond? How was it for you? 
Uh, first of all, when when we had this, we thought it's something really that it's an opportunity to tap into new technologies, new ways of doing things. Of course, as a concept, as Wolf was talking about, as to Kazarial is always a pleasure getting to learn things, to look into sustainability, look into looking into innovations and the like. So when we first heard about this concept uh, a few months ago, we thought this is another great thing that we can start integrating into Kazarial's buildings like we did with the Australian team that came to help us to do resilient roofs after Cyclone died. So we thought that this is an, an added advantage, first of all. Secondly, uh, usually our team is always ready to learn and we have a very brilliant team. Wolf can testify to this. We have very good carpenters that when, when he started with them, I actually thought he's going to have difficulties, especially uh, them not being used to building houses with wood. But it, I think he can tell us that they were very fast in learning and integrating the concept into getting the house done in actually before the deadline we had planned the house to be completed by the team, they ended up completing earlier than that. How long did it take you guys to, to build this construction, this new construction in total? Wolf. I think, I think it took like five weeks and I was, I was just uh, confirming to Richard that uh, the team did an excellent job. Um, the, the carpentry team of Casriel was very skilled and very able and you, you were frozen for you were frozen for a bit was that five weeks you said you mentioned five weeks for the total construction right well five weeks for the the, the rough builds basically so uh, five weeks until we got to the point that um, the the construction was uh, what we yeah i don't know if the english term is correct but in dutch we call it winter habitable sorry habitable Habitable. Well, yeah, and well, I mean, the paintworks are still going on at the moment, but it took us five weeks to get um, the, the, the construction to the point that it's wind and water tight and that it's uh, the window frames are in and that basically um, maybe if, you, if, if we had not had the Christmas break in between, it would have been six to seven weeks if you count the paintworks and the last steps of finishing with it. Um, so basically within two months, we did the entire construction. Um, which I think was a, was a very good result considering the fact that it was the first time that we uh, worked in this constellation with, uh, for me, all kinds of new partners and supply, suppliers. Um, uh, I still had to explain the, the building concepts to the, to the teams on the site. And um, yeah, I think that went without any noticeable problems. So that was a big uh, success in itself. Um, and that's that's also uh, for a large extent thanks to the part of uh, uh, thanks to the um, the the skilled uh, team of Casarial and um, uh, the fact that you know they have a very experienced on ground team for both side works as well as the carpentry team and so on. Uh, we had a good uh, working uh, carpentry workshop in. Uh, uh, at Young Africa, that's a capacity building NGO, uh, not so far from the Casa Real building site where 
the carpenters of Casariel and Levashore were um, doing the, the timber framing of the houses. Um, so we had good facilities, we had good teams, and um, yeah, that was part of the success for for, the for building the showcase. But in general, I think um, timber framing and the easy housing concept allows for quick quick speeds of construction mm. cycles. Yeah, the, the turnaround I, time is... Oh, sorry, Richard, you go. And I think what was key is when he was coming, we thought that we would have difficulties in getting local material, materials locally, which is critical that like when you want to do affordable housing, actually you need to ensure that you are getting materials locally because that, that gives you scale. It gives you provision for the cost and, and, and it helps you when you are planning <clears throat> to going to scale because the, the, the supply value chain is key in, in affordable housing. And if you are getting materials like we had planned with him that he will be getting materials from, from the Netherlands, then I, I think then that becomes a different context. But when we got the chance that we have a sustainable uh, forest manager that is providing timber, and also the cocktails and other 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 materials. I think he brought some of the few materials from the Netherlands, which he had already had bought to coming. But the supply chain, we at least found that it is within the local means, and this helped us to really beat time and also beat um, the cost that we had planned. Maybe just to expand on that for those um, who are maybe learning about. Um, what you guys are doing for the first time. What does that supply chain look like for this sort of construction? Um, so obviously there needs to be timber involved in that chain somewhere. What are some of the other aspects of that, um, that local supply chain that would be needed for this sort of a building? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Blaine. Um, well, first of all, it is the timber, of course, because the timber is the uh, in terms of volume and weight, it's the most important uh, uh, material. And it's also the, the, the crucial ingredient for our concept, right? Because uh, the timber substitutes uh, cement and steel, basically. Um, so what we do when we enter a new market like Mozambique, we look at uh, which sustainable forestry companies are, uh, are around, basically. Um, so we do that in a couple of ways that, uh, for example, the, the FSC, the, the Forest Stewardship Council's uh, building uh, or um, search index allows you to look for certified forestry companies in, uh, in a country or in a region. Um, and in, in this case, we, uh, we got in touch through our network with uh, Levash Floor, which is based in the, uh, the province of Baira. And uh, and with Pedra Apeda, which is a coconut uh, timber company that that uses um, old coconut plantations for sustainable timber production, um, but also Levash Flora, which is uh, is a very unique forestry company. In fact, it's uh, it's managing natural forest instead of plantation forests, and has a FSC certification. Um, so we identified those partners. And then Easy Housing approaches the partners to see what's what's available in, in their local supply chain, which types of timber, which dimensions, which uh, which treatments, which specifications, and so on. And we uh, we make sure that it's um, it is um, uh, in line with our sustainability and quality criteria. So that also means that 
uh, well, for the sustainability criteria, the FSC certification is, a, is an important um, um, parameter, but uh, also, for example, for quality, uh, when you build houses with timber, it's important that you use treated wood, so that's CCA treated, so that uh, termites and uh, molds and other types of, uh, you know, um, threats for the timber are not, um, uh, do not get a chance, so that and that ensures the lifespan of the timber construction for, for centuries. Um, and um, well, through the sustainability and quality assessment uh, and identifying those partners, we established the local value chains. And then uh, we sign a letter of intent with these partners um, uh, to arrange, um, to also ensure the, the, the agreements we make in terms of sustainability and quality. Uh, and then we go from there. Uh, so Lejos Flor and Pedra Pedra supplied the timber for, for the houses in Baira. Um, and um, yeah, this is a, actually, it's a scalable model, um, which we can do across markets. Uh, so in Uganda, we are taking the same approach with different uh, forestry companies, uh, but which also have FSC certification and adequate skill and uh, capacity. Um, yeah, so that's how we go about basically. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, Wolf, you're saying that the, the, the value chain we're talking about is first of all, it needs to be um, a sustainable forest and, and preferably FSC certified or, right? And then it goes from that into someone who will be cutting the wood um, towards the construction that easy housing. Um, is, 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 is trying to build. And then afterwards, it will go directly into a team of constructors building the houses, right? It's a very short value chain, is it? Yeah, that's true. So the value chain is basically that the, the timber supplier will uh, supply the treated timber directly to the carpentry workshop. Uh, which, which is a very basic workshop. You don't need a factory. It's basically just a, uh, a covered workspace with some simple uh, machinery um, because, it's <clears throat> because the, the forester will supply the timber already in the, the right dimensions and quantities and it will be treated and planed. Um, and if, uh, if, if it's possible, it will already even be cut into the right lengths. Uh, so basically, once it reaches the carpentry workshop and the, the, the carpentry team, they can directly start framing the timber frames. Um, and then um, you can do the framing in the workshop, uh, but that workshop can also be on-site um, or you can do it off-site and uh, put the frames on a truck. So that's how we did it in Baira. The, the, the workshop was a couple of kilometers away from the building site. We did the framing, we did a lot of the assembly off-sites and we put them on trucks. Uh, you, you can lift them manually, so you don't need lifting machinery or equipment. Um, and then once, once they reach sites, uh, they can be positioned uh, and screwed together by the, by the building team, uh, which took around one day. Um, so basically, um, yeah, you call it timber framing and. Uh, like the prefabrication aspects allows you to to screw everything together within a couple of hours or within a day on site. Yeah. Uh, so you have a very uh, short supply chain and a very fast one, but also important to mention is it's very lean. 
It's easy to set up mm. in new locations. It's very scalable. You don't need a lot of capital expenditure to get going. Um, so th those are all like, important aspects of uh, which come next to sustainability, which also uh, facilitate the commercial success uh, of, of timber construction. Um, because sustainability in itself, of course, um, is important, but it also has to be uh, competitive for for concepts to work in uh, in local markets. Otherwise, yeah, it won't be picked up. Yeah, that's what I like actually about the whole concept is that you, so basically the framing you're talking about almost some sort of a prefab at not factory, but uh, where the the wood was uh, was uh, cut right and treated. Um, and what I'm wondering is, so um, you have a, a value chain which can be, it's, it's almost entirely um, local. So it's, it's scalable, um, plus um, it's affordable as long as the wood is affordable, right? Yes. What would be, what would be, um, what would be the, um, the biggest challenge, Richard, you think, um, for market adoption in, in, in Byra of such a construction? Yeah, big one. <laughs> the big one is a big challenge uh, because they normally they have culture, culture beliefs around or perceptions around uh, wooden housing, although this is treated timber people still regard it as timber. So they don't care it's treated. They, the, the, the first thing is that they, they, they believe that a strong house is, is a concrete house, is a block house. They, they have had some series of cyclone uh, had since 2019 where 90% of the, 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 the roofs were destroyed and the houses were damaged by cyclone die. Since that time, it's been a big problem um, getting quality and resilient, affordable homes. And this kind of group of low-income people believe that a house constructed with um, timber is not a strong one, it's not sustainable. So the biggest challenge is now Casarial to start demonstrating that shift especially now we are expecting cyclone on 20 on 22nd this month it has been communicated by the government so 22nd this month we will start testing wufu's technology with the, with the cyclone it's not a huge one but whatever cyclone that passes destroys houses and that becomes a communication that then we need to start telling people that look this this is a strong house this is a strong house but generally it's it's like when you are buying a cloth normally when it's a new product in the market people have have questions about that product is a dress is food is whatever is a new car is iphone or any new product that comes to the market usually people tend to uh, to think otherwise, okay, I'm using it to this, I need to first get to understand how this works. So it's going to be a journey of testing the market and also getting their feedback about that, which, which we are yet to, 
to do and to see. Absolutely, Richard. Um, I think for electric cars, you see the same challenges. I think people, uh, uh, when electric vehicles were introduced or coming up, people were very skeptical about all kinds of technical aspects, and of course, the price. But um, for timber housing, of course, timber housing has been around for a long time, but nowadays with um, good technical details, yeah, you can construct timber houses that last for centuries. And in fact, um, timber houses have been around for centuries already. So it's it's more like a matter of sensitization and uh, um, awareness uh, creation um, than um, than real technical challenges. Um, but that aside, I think it's it's a very important point you mentioned. Uh, we have to gather the feedback that was also a part of building the showcase together. Um, is that we get uh, people to live in the houses in um, in the low middle income uh, target group as well and see how they respond, what they like, what they do not like, how we can improve uh, the concept and the communication around the concepts. I think those are crucial in, in, crucial steps forward for um, for getting people to live in timber housing, like in the um, not only the early adopters but the the, the middle uh, of the like the, the, I forgot the term but yeah the, middle income you mean yeah the, well the middle group of people not early adopters but the the general public I, I think it's going to be exciting so coming from the Netherlands we have um, water gates here which are over centuries old and still functional. So I think that wood has a potential as indeed, as Wolf is saying, the constructions can be as, as, as strong and, and sometimes even stronger because they have more flexibility also when it comes to natural circumstances. Yeah, I think this, what we've just been talking about, about the awareness and this being a challenge um, is quite an important detail because obviously with Empower, our grand vision is to design solutions that are affordable and sustainable housing solutions that are ultimately scalable. Um, and often we can come up with solutions that are, you know, work best in theory, but sometimes there are challenges that make it difficult to implement that in, in practice. And one of those challenges could be around, um, you know, having timber as a, a new style of home that people aren't used to and because of that there may be a bit of friction because it's a new thing and that's that's a natural human response um but then that doesn't mean that it's not a bad um, solution it just means that there needs to be awareness and education around this as a, a viable alternative and it's exciting for us that you know we're currently in that transition and um it'll be cool to see uh, this play out because um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of value to be to to be gained through this, something like this. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think it's really cool that um, this catalyst project and the showcase is is testing this real life. Uh, I think um, uh, I think it's one of the best opportunities we have in this collaboration to um, to test uh, innovative sustainable concepts on the ground with real life customer feedback coming from the actual uh, target market because um, um, well, I, for me I'm, I'm very excited about this because in the Netherlands I've been I've been building timber houses for the last seven years uh, with, with my company over here 
Um, but um, usually it were also the early adopters. And now in the Netherlands, you finally see this trend towards um, timber coming, becoming mainstream and all the big building companies are adopting timber construction as, uh, as the new normal, so to say. Um, but of course, this was also um, something that was only perceived for as something for eco-friendly uh, pe eco people and what, whatsoever. Uh, in, in the last decades, uh, and now you finally see the transition, and I, I'm really keen to see how uh, uh, how the market adoption will will be in in a country like Mozambique, uh, because obviously that's um, that's that's essential for making an impact in the construction sector. Is that uh, that uh, people in emerging economies are are embracing. Timber construction and other innovative building technologies that are uh, environmentally friend friendly uh, and safe, um, because that's where the, the big impact is to be made. In, in, I mean, the, if you look at the housing deficit or the building backlog in the coming decades, I think we have to build 300 million homes uh, up till 2030, and the vast majority of the 300 million homes will be uh, on the African continent, I think, uh, or maybe Africa, Southeast Asia. Um, and uh, that's where the big impact can be made. Um, so it's really excited to see, uh, yeah, to see the response uh, to have this showcase in Mozambique um, and, and take it from there. Um, I think one thing I'd like to touch on before we um, wrap things up is the what we've just been talking about there with the scalability, um, but with your specific philosophy with easy housing um, and your approach and your strategy for scaling this sort of house, what are what are some of those aspects? So you talked about it before with, you know, it being a lean uh, approach, meaning like, you know, maybe, maybe there's less components, less moving parts and certain aspects of it. And because there's less moving parts, that particular part is, 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 is a scalable solution. What are some other you know, aspects of your approach that contribute it to being a scalable solution, if that makes sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, when you look at scalability, you have to look at uh, a lot of different aspects uh, in, the, in the supply chain, in the value chain. Um, so when you look at labor, of course, um, you have to look at uh, the building speed, the building cycles. Uh, you have to look at um, infrastructure. So what works in uh, the local context, what kind of infrastructure is available. Um, and in countries like Mozambique, uh, for example, there is not so much heavy lifting infrastructure. So you have to, you have to build lights. Uh, so when you, when you are building off-site or building prefabrication, um, you have to make sure that it's, it works with uh, local equipment that's available. Um, yeah, so maybe to zoom into, the, uh, into these, of course, it starts with the supply chain capacity of the sustainably sourced timber. And um, that means that you have to assess the, the volumes and the, the capacity of the, um, of the, the timber uh, company. Uh, so, for example, uh, the forestry company in Mozambique has a capacity for, for thousands of houses per year. So that means that we can um, create a lot of um, 
scale and capacity through the existing supply chain. And of course, once you create the demand, the, the forestry sector will, will, um, will adjust its supply capacity and also increase the cover of, uh, uh, of forestry, um, the cover of plantations, et cetera, to, to make sure that um, the, the supply side of things can handle the demand. Uh, so the good thing is that when you start building in timber, the amount of forests will actually increase instead of decrease, mm. which increase the demand for sustainable forestry. Um, so you you'll create more forest cover. Um, but but the good thing is that there's already a lot of um, capacity in the existing uh, supply chain. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, when you are doing the construction. What I just mentioned, you have to um, um, have a, a workshop uh, or a carpentry workshop, which uh, uh, which allows for offsite construction. But uh, because it's just timber framing, you don't need heavy machinery. You can basically just uh, screw everything together with simple hand uh, machines, uh, battery equipment. Um, and that means that you can also uh, start prefabrication in parallel um, docking stations. So for example, you have multiple carpentry teams working in, in tandem. Uh, one team is making floors, one team is making walls. Um, so in that carpentry, you have a sort of a line of a, a production line. Um, and uh, that production line is something you can easily scale up. Um, you can create parallel teams and you can scale up the amount of teams uh, so when you have big projects, like when you, when you would have to construct several hundreds of houses, for example, in resettlement projects in the north of Mozambique, you can easily do that. And the only thing you need is a roof structure, so it can be a very simple building, uh, and carpentry teams. Um, and of course, carpentry, um, it, I mean, there's plenty of carpenters, they usually only make the roof structure of houses. Uh, but the carpenters that are Making the roof structures, such as the carpentry team that I worked with at Casarial, is 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 skilled Everything. and perfectly equipped to be trained in uh, in creating in, in prefabbing an entire timber house. Um, you just have to do some capacity development, which took me like uh, one or two weeks uh, to teach uh, circular building principles and to teach how to make the frames of easy housing in, in our um, specific technical details, but. Uh, with a, with a, a bit of training, you can easily train these these carpenters to uh, to do the entire timber construction. Uh, so that's also a scalable aspect. When you look at labor, um, you don't have any uh, curing times of uh, of concrete and so on and so forth. So uh, once you've done the frames, you can put them on a truck and drive them to site, screw them together, and basically the house is done in a couple of days. Um, so I think that's also good to mention is that the the frames, they are um, um, they're lightweight, so they can be carried with four people, um, both on the truck as on site to, to put mm -hmm. them together with, uh, uh, with the other frames to, to create the, the structure. Um, yeah, and then uh, also that circular um, aspect of it allows for the prefabrication. It allows for quick assembly, but it also allows for incremental building which I think is very important for uh, emerging economies because a lot of people actually want to build step by step. So once you have created the basic structure, 
um, when the family grows or when uh, people have saved money for, for house expansion, they can, they can easily screw apart a piece of the wall and add a couple of new timber components and increase the size of the house without having to do any demolition. Um, so I think that's also a part of the, the, the scalability when you look at you know, the lifespan of the house over, um, over the decades. Um, yeah, well, I'll leave so it Scalability from the production side uh, obviously um, does not appear to be a problem at this very moment, right? Um, when I listen to you, and then the scalability from the affordable side of it, the consumption side, because basically from Empower, we're looking at people financing. We're not a charity, we're not a government organization. So basically people have to buy the construction themselves, right, Richard, through a lease to buy uh, right? So what would be the affordability from the consumption side? Can you tell us a little bit about the pricing of the locally produced yeah. house? And also, Richard, for you, when it comes to the lease to buy, just to round off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in terms of pricing, I think the, the price of the showcase we built in Baira, um was uh, slightly more expensive than the, the concrete brick baseline but it was maybe like 10% more expensive. So, um, of course, um, when you look at the, the total price, including the externalities and the sustainability aspects, then it's already much cheaper, but uh, there's still the reality of uh, a small, uh, like on a commercial uh, level, a small uh, price difference between traditional and um, we expect to reduce that price gap through, first of all, scaling up the supply chain. Uh, and of course, this was the price uh, in the pilot project, which is always more expensive than when you, you, know, when you have um, consolidated the concept in the local value chain. Um, and secondly, through the carbon impact we make, because we actually reduce 260% uh, of carbon footprint compared to concrete construction, because on the one hand, we eliminate the footprint of using concrete, and on the other hand, we store, con uh, store carbon in the timber construction, so that 260% reduction in carbon um, can actually be monetized. And we are developing uh, an approach for carbon uh, credits for both the stored carbon in the construction, as well as the carbon offsets through substituting concrete. Um, with a carbon neutral or even carbon negative uh, building structure. Um, so that carbon monetization um, can actually make a huge uh, price impact because we think we can actually um, create a 10% price discount uh, for, for timber housing once we've achieved this carbon monetization in the coming years. Well, basically, um, Wolf, you're saying that the uh, norm now at this very moment, it's 10% higher than the construction costs of the um, of the way that uh, Casa Real has been building their houses thus far, right? Which was uh, at a very affordable price. But this 10% can be reduced once you start to adopt carbon credits and move to scale with the construction. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then it would be the same price as yeah. the concrete. Then, Richard, I'm, I'm curious because basically your clients uh, will then have the choice, if you would compare the two of them, 
it would be to have a choice between mm -hmm. a concrete building and and a wooden construction, right? Uh, so first of all, it was a nice question and observation to, okay, we are going to scale, what should people expect? What should people have in mind that um, going to scale, what will you need? I don't know if you are hearing me on my yes, line. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, the, the biggest challenge for scale actually is not the supply. The biggest challenge for scale is who is buying those houses you are building, we are putting on the ground. So oh, the supply chain, you can fix those. The, the technology, the construction, the team, it's, it's, a, it, it's I mean, it is engineering. You can do that because the staff is there. The team is there. The suppliers are there. But the biggest concern in scaling up a project of affordable housing is who is going to buy your house? Who is going to give you back the money that you have invested so you are able to recycle even that money itself is a biggest question that then we need to focus on. At this stage for me is, is a stage, very good one where is housing and Casarial would be looking at uh, at communications, looking at changing changing the mentality, looking at 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 really um, uh, communicating and making marketing, uh, doing marketing and much of the stuff to create the market for for this type of housing. So once you get that fixed, then you can run. And at the moment, as of course with Empower, we are looking at um, we are looking at rent to buy, but rent to buy also you need the clients that would would come to take up these houses for rent to buy, and then eventually, because of course rent to buy eventually means that the person has to buy. So it's it's a good step. It's what you need to generate as a market to make sure that you create a demand for the production and then you can scale up. Yeah, absolutely, Richard. Um, that's the most important step. And I think that might, might also be interesting because um, we might be able to develop um, financing solutions which favor um, um, environmental friendly concepts like through green bonds of IFC, through um, Edge Carbon Zero certification, um, maybe also through uh, through Empower, which um, uh, might favor um, uh, environmentally friendly construction methods over traditional methods. So I think um, in the end, it all yeah it, it comes down to the culture acceptance and um, the, the price competitiveness, of course. Uh, but suppose that you can get price price competitiveness. Then it's also about which which access do you provide to people? Are people able to finance their house uh, if it's uh, if it's a circular bio based home? Maybe maybe people have new financing options um, for for these kinds of products. Just like you have subsidies for electric vehicles um, or, or policy that that favors uh, innovation in that sense. Uh, so I think that's yeah that's going to be interesting to see how the market develops around that next to the culture acceptance. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because um, with the Empower platform and the financing, effectively it's, I guess, crowd funded with the community purchasing these NFT collections. And um, a lot of the um, 
so when when the the funding is from a collection of people uh, there could be interesting incentives around okay maybe this group of people would you know pay a little bit extra or whatever in order to fund a home that fits this certain criteria whether it be sustainability or or, or otherwise um so yeah it's quite an interesting it will be quite interesting how this plays out when the, the funding is not just from one entity but from a collection of of individuals and um you know what are, what criteria of housing are they, are they wanting to support um and getting that that balance right from you know the the, the nft collectors slash um people funding the the homes and then ultimately the people on the ground that are purchasing these homes getting that that balance balance right and what of what does that incentive structure look like it's got to be a very uh i'm quite fascinated with that that concept because there's a lot of new um new features in this sort of funding model which just didn't exist before um which i, I think that's quite exciting because i think inevitably will produce all these uh, opportunities that we probably can't even anticipate at the moment um yeah i, I think, agree i think just the oh, final yeah. remark on that side is that through decentralized funding with people that are actually funding from an impact perspective, uh, while uh, banks are, are providing mortgages with a risk and interest perspective only. Um, so you get a whole new market dynamic. If you can untap exactly. that market, um, then there is also like, I just mentioned policy, but it's not only government policy, but it's also financial policy from, from a decentralized market that's steering uh, you know, financial innovation in, uh, in the housing sector. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see what that brings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because traditional funding mechanisms would be driven primarily or incentivized primarily by the profit aspect. And I think that has X consequences. But when the funding mechanism is driven by not only profit incentives, but social impact in incentives, environmental incentives, that's got to produce these other consequences or these other benefits that are just complete that wouldn't be possible in the traditional model. Um, and yeah, again, it's, it'll be exciting to see what that then leads to uh, moving forward. Um, but I think we're, we're ticked over, I think 45 minutes. Um, maybe if there's anything else people wanted to, any closing remarks um, that people wanted to, uh, to finish on, but, um, I think we'll we'll definitely get on another podcast soon anyway, but any closing remarks from everyone? No, I thought it was fascinating to hear from you guys um, how this um, uh, how this was uh, perceived first of all in in uh, you know in building on the site, but also the new uh, possibilities that arise from these opportunities in a decentralized um, impact driven um, you know future basically. So uh, nice to have had you and the opportunity to chat a bit more uh, extensively. Thanks. Yeah, likewise. It was a pleasure. And uh, of course, in a couple of months, we'll have the, the, the feedback of the inhabitants uh, and the feedback of the hurricane resistance and so on. Um, so I think it's nice to have another uh, conversation on that in a couple of months too. It would be nice. We didn't even mention that, Wolf, but no, you're going to do a, um, you are from Easy Housing together with Richard, are going to do an, uh, a first um, um, research around how it's perceived, right? And clients and... Yeah, yeah. yeah I think we, we will go to Baira in April uh, and work together with Casariel. Of course, Casariel 
is going to try to uh, to find tenants in the coming weeks, uh, inhabitants, uh, whether it's buyers or renters. Uh, uh, for us, it's very important to get that uh, customer feedback and to to do interviews uh, with the local stakeholders and potential target audience. I think uh, Casarel has already started a conversation with uh, with people and stakeholders. So that's going to be a very interesting um, point in time when we have that feedback. Now, of course, it is, it is always a pleasure talking about affordable housing and how we are partnering with Empower to make sure that people have access to affordable houses and live in better places is a good thing that we that I feel passionate about. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. It's um, awesome having you both on. You guys are doing um, awesome work with what everything that you guys are doing. And I think the exciting thing is the, the crypto community is getting exposure to this um, stuff that is happening in the real world. Um, which is exciting. Like it's it's almost these podcasts and 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 power. We're we're bridging these two two worlds, and um, the crypto world is getting exposure to affordable housing. And conversely, you know, people within that um, housing construction, more traditional space, is maybe getting exposure to crypto. And it's um, ultimately both can feed off each other in a in a positive way. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks again for for coming on to the podcast we'll definitely have you guys on it on again there's a few deep dives that i'd like to um maybe explore in another podcast but uh thanks again and and the listeners big thank you to to all of you as well i uh, hope you enjoyed it and we'll have links to to um easy housing and casa real uh down in the description as well but uh thanks again and we'll see you guys in the the next one thanks Thanks everyone, have a good day. Bye bye. Bye bye.